0: This is the podcast where we go through the most influential people that have ever lived. We look at their lives and what they did to change the world and to make it as what we know it as today. Today we're going to be talking about Genghis Khan. For those new listeners, what we do is we first start off with a brief summary of their life. We just go over the biggest details and the most important moments of their life that shaped them into who they became. After that, we go over some fun facts, stories, we go over some cool quotes that they said throughout their life, and we finish by talking about why we think they changed the world and they're on this list. So let's dive right in. Genghis Khan's real name was actually not Genghis. His name was Temujin. He was born around 1162, so pretty long time ago and he was kind of born uh near the border between Mongolia and Siberia so kind of way out there east um when he was born the legend claims that he came into the world clutching a blood clot in his right hand which they found as a sign that he was going to be a great leader it's interesting to note if you've uh if you're a devout listener to the podcast, how similar this is to other great people who have lived, they, a lot of them have similar legends around their birth. Um, Alexander the Great, his mom had a dream that her womb was struck by lightning. Um, Jesus' mother was a virgin. Tesla was born during a lightning storm, and the nurse said he would be uh, a chaotic baby, and the mother said, no, he'll be a baby of light. So, and then he went on to do all this stuff with light and energy. So it's one of those things that I've got to take it with a grain of salt. Obviously, when people become famous, you can start like rewriting history about their birth, but still pretty cool. Um, This guy's Temujin is what we'll call him for the beginning, because that's his real name. His childhood was crazy. So far we've seen, we've seen um, a lot of these great men and women have, Similarity between a lot of them is that they have tough childhoods. They have, you know, a lot of times they have a parent die or a significant loved one die in their youth, and, you know, it kind of forces them to grow up and not be afraid of the world. But I don't know, maybe Temujin was the worst. So his mother was kidnapped by his dad and forced into marriage. So great foundation for a family. Um, At this time, there were just dozens of nomadic tribes. In Central Asia, where they were, and they're just always fighting and stealing, and so his life, Temujin's life, um, was just violent and unpredictable. It was just chaotic. It was just crazy mob rule, like individual just tribes fighting each other. And so, before he turned ten, his dad was actually poisoned to death by an enemy clan. So, bam, right there, ten years old, his dad, his you know, his uh, father's is dead. And then his uh, Temujin, his own clan, deserts him, and his mother, because his mother had six siblings, and they couldn't afford to feed him, so they just kind of leave him to die. And so Temujin becomes the um, kind of leader of the household at ten years old, uh, and to help his mom and stuff. And they were poverty stricken. It was just this terrible situation, and they uh, one of these times because they were so desperate for food they got back from a hunting expedition and there was a dispute over the spoils and uh, Temujin quarreled and ended up killing his half-brother so this dude is not even a teenager and his father has been poisoned to death and he just murdered his half-brother to kind of establish his to to settle this dispute but it also confirmed his position as like head of the family and um later on he was actually captured and enslaved by a different clan and he was able to escape Um, by 1178 so this would be um he's 16 years old he married someone named Borte um and he had four sons with her and unknown number of daughters they didn't really count the daughters because they couldn't you know uh they couldn't uh carry your your name and um So, and they they weren't heirs to any type of throne or house. And so, um, but his wife Borte was actually kidnapped and by another clan. So it's just everyone's stealing everyone's wives and it's just crazy. I can't even imagine. But he, he launched a daring rescue and to rescue her. And he did. And he started to, um, build this reputation as a warrior and he started to get these followers going and uh, he also started to make alliances. He saw that all of these tribes were just kind of against each other and no one was communicating or anything. And so he started making alliances. And his slow ascent to power um, began by building a pretty large army of 20,000 men. So he's you know this young kid, and everyone's getting kidnapped and killed. And he is you know fighting them off, being strong, making alliances – charming people into you know joining his team sort of and um yeah he's he eventually gets you know twenty thousand people and it was uh yeah he was definitely definitely unique compared to a lot of other people he didn't um promote people uh based on their position their um bloodline to him you know he would promote competent allies um and he uh, when he attacked someone when he fought other clans he would kill the he would execute the leaders of the tribe but then he would incorporate the remaining members into his clan so he wasn't just kind of at this point this ruthless guy who would just kill everyone he would save a lot of the good warriors and bring them into his group and um so with this small army of 20,000 he starts to destroy these traditional divisions among all these tribes and he starts to try to unite all the mongols as they were referred to under his rule and he does a good job and um and people like the fact that it's a meritocracy that it's not about being related to him it's if you're a good competent fighter then you get promoted so um as they as they get this army you know they start um uh, they start uh, kind of attacking more and more people and another thing he did was that he would uh he ordered that all the looting wait until the complete victory had been won. And he also organized his warriors into uh, units of 10 without regard to kin, as we mentioned. So he starts doing these unique things. And he, although he was an animist, which is someone that apparently believes that every living, everything, every item and an object on earth has a soul. Um, he had Christian, Muslim, and Buddhist followers. So he had all types of followers. And, um yeah so he's continuing trying to unite the mongols and doing a pretty good job and he had these really outstanding military tactics and he was brutal really brutal um we talked about his father being uh, poisoned to death by a different clan well he they were called the tatar army and um he fought them and then ordered that every male over three feet tall was to be murdered to just be killed so pretty nuts i mean i guess a little bit of mercy that he didn't kill the kids right um so after he unites these mongols they went on um they kept expanding and so um he goes on to be another tribe called the tachi ut and he their specialty the mongols were their cavalry. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but they're super good at riding horses. And when he beat beat these uh, this tribe, the Tachi Ut, he boiled their chiefs alive. So he's just kind of sending a message like, hey, listen, you don't want to fight me. And if you do and you lose, it's going to be really bad for you. So by 12.05, which I think is about time he's like 43, um, so we've kind of gone through all of his early childhood. He's vanquished all the rivals, and he has united all of the Mongol Empire, and yeah, he's doing great. Um, one of the reasons why they were so successful was he employed an extensive spy network. Um, he was also quick to adopt technologies from enemies, so he wasn't prideful. He'd see something that other people did, and he'd be like, we got to do that too. He um, he also really tra- well-trained his his army at this point he had about 80,000 fighters and they had you know sophisticated signaling system of smoke and burning torches they had these large drums that would sound commands to charge or further orders and they had flags so they were just really good at communicating and every soldier was equipped with bow arrows shield a dagger and a lasso and everyone was super good at um riding horses And uh, they could maneuver a galloping horse using only their legs. And so their hands were free to to shoot arrows. And so they were just really organized and communicated really well. And on top of that, they were just very talented fighters. And um, so at this point, he calls a, a meeting and they send a representative from every territory and they establish a nation that was actually similar to the size of Mongolia today. And he is pro- proclaimed Chinggis Khan, which roughly translates to universal ruler. And he became known as Genghis Khan, right? That's what it, the West called it. And uh, it was kind of crazy because it's not only like a political term, but like a spiritual one. The leading shaman declared Genghis Khan the representative of Mongeke Koko Tengri, which is the eternal blue sky. So he was the supreme god of the Mongols. We've seen this a few times with other great leaders as they kind of start to become a deity to their followers. And um, we'll kind of look into that and the significance of that later on. But so he, um, he's ruling over these people. And one of the coolest things he does is he establishes this code. So at this point, he's united the, you know, all of Mongolia. It's about a million people. And here are some of the cool things he did. So he abolished inherited aristocratic titles. So once again, the whole kin thing, right? You don't just get to become a, a top member of society because um, your dad was. He forbade the selling and kidnapping of women. He banned the enslavement of any Mongol. Um, he made stealing anyone's livestock punishable by death. He adopted a writing system. Um, he conducted a regular consensus he allowed freedom of religion um, well before anyone else did that. And uh, so pretty crazy. But um, so at this point, everything's going good. And he's taking over. And now he starts his first campaign outside Mongolia. And this is going to be the rest of his life pretty much. It's just taking over other parts of the world. So he goes to China and the Zia kingdom of northwestern China. I don't know if I said that right at all, but... He uh, starts fighting them, and he had these cool, interesting tactics. Like One of them is he'd do a false withdrawal, so kind of fake attack. He'd be like, retreat, retreat, and everyone would be like, let's chase them. And then he'd come back and fight and kind of throw people off. Um, He also tried to flood the city, Um, but eventually, although they didn't uh, actually break through the city, the ruler submitted. And so then he moves on to a different dynasty, the Jin Dynasty. Um, and this guy made a mistake he demanded Genghis Khan uh, he, his submission and uh, each time his as most great generals throughout history his armies um, outnumbered but once again the Jin dynasty he destroys them and uh, gets all this stuff all this silk, silver, gold and horses Genghis really wanted China for the rice fields though because at this point Mongolia was so big they were running out of food and so they loved the food. Then he went a war to like modern day Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan, Iran, kind of Middle East area. This didn't go good. He, uh, one of the sultans there, um, attacked one of his caravans. He tried to like set up a trading thing first with them. And so then Genghis set a diplomat to, to bring the sultan back to, you know, to answer for his crime for killing this caravan. And they chopped off this diplomat's head and sent it back to Genghis Khan. And Genghis was mad. So he um, just personally went and focused on that attack. And those who were immediately slaughtered were driven in front of the Mongol army as human shields. And no living thing was spared, including small animals and livestock. And skulls of men, women, and children were piled in large pyramidal mounds, so just these giant pyramids of skulls. No one knows for certain how many people died during these wars. Um I mean, it was a long time ago. It was a thousand years ago. And also the Mongols propagated their, their vicious image to kind of spread terror. So they would kind of talk themselves up. So we're not exactly sure how many died. Um, at this point, he returns to Mo- Mongolia and um, he is controlling a huge amount of land the sea of japan to the caspian sea and um he continues to fight he goes back towards the zia zia kingdom who kind of uh they refused to give him troops for like one of his excursions and so he goes to fight them and in 1227 um the legend goes that a horse threw Genghis Khan to the ground causing internal injuries and he never recovered and he died in august of that year so yeah, and then according to the legend, the funeral escort, uh, the person who was like escorting his body to the burial site, killed anyone and anything that encountered that they encountered to kind of um, hide his location. They didn't want anyone to know where he was uh, buried, and then they actually diverted a river over his grave to make it impossible to find. So that's kind of a summary of his life. Um, he conquered more than twice as much land as any other person in history. So, I mean, depends on how you measure the greatness of a general, but that could totally be one metric. And his, uh, his descendants were also great conquerors, taking control of you know, Eastern Europe, Middle East, China. His last ruling descendant was finally deposed in 1920, so it lasted a long time. All right, that's a summary of Genghis Khan's life. Let's jump in and talk about some fun stories and facts. So Genghis Khan killed so many Persians or Iranians that the population of Persia didn't return to pre-Mongol numbers until the 1990s, sorry, 1900s. So 700 years later, it took that population to recover. Um, by the age of three, Mongol children were taught to ride horses by their mothers. In order to prevent injury, the children would be tied to the horse. And within a couple of years, they'd start training with the bow and arrow. So they were just warriors from the get-go. It's kind of cool that the moms were the ones who taught them too, you know. Uh, when Genghis Khan was, uh, you know, Genghis Khan, when he was the, the leader and uh, ruling over this giant empire, he made a rule. Um, that forbade anyone to craft his likeness so no one could draw him which is similar to what muslims um believe about muhammad and so no images were made of him until after he died so no one's really sure exactly how he looks some people think he was a redhead just hard to imagine um genghis khan is the most successful biological father of all time he had over 500 wives nearly eight percent of asian men are descended from genghis khan it's nearly 350 million men with one common ancestor. Nuts. Um, they were really brutal. If you don't want to hear this, just kind of skip forward. But um, they didn't want to spare royal blood and, and when they attacked these dynasties. So a loophole they found was they loved to bend the backs of their enemies until they snapped. And frequently they'd pour molten silver into the, the mouths of their victim or they'd roll their victim up in a rug and trample him with a horse. So they were just I guess you could say creative, really mean, too. Um it's estimated that Genghis Khan's armies killed about 40 million people. Uh they killed so many people that it cooled the planet and reduced the carbon footprint of human beings. So pretty good for global warming. Kind of an extreme tactic. Um the legend says that w- once when the um, mongol army defeated the russian forces they celebrated their victory Um, they took all the survivors of the battle laid them on the ground put a wooden slab on top of them and then they proceeded to eat a victory feast on top of their enemies watching as the last surviving enemies were slowly crushed to death beneath them so pretty crazy um genghis khan actually killed more people than joseph stalin and hitler combined and he also did this when the population was a lot less than it was, you know, in the 20th century. He reduced the entire world population as much as 11%, which is more than anyone in history that we know of. Um, one cool story is he was once shot in the neck during the battle. And when the army was defeated, he asked, you know, the enemy soldiers, uh, you know, who shot his horse. And this archer stepped up and said I'm the one who did it but also I I didn't shoot your horse I shot you in the neck and um, the man didn't even beg for mercy he said uh, you can kill me if you want but he also swore that if Genghis would spare his life he would be a loyal soldier and Genghis was like this guy's freaking good at archery and so made him uh he recruited him to his army and this guy ended up being like a great general under Khan so like kind of a cool story all right let's go into our next section and just go over some fun quotes so we talked about how temujin's name became genghis khan which had a spiritual significance that he was sort of like a god and this quote kind of um, embodies that idea he says i'm the punishment of god if you had not committed great sins god would not have sent a punishment like me upon you so kind of scary if you're afraid don't do it if you're doing it, don't be afraid. An action committed in anger is an action doomed to failure. One arrow alone can be easily broken, but many arrows are indestructible. Man's highest, victory, uh, man's highest joy is in victory. To conquer one's enemies, to pursue them, to deprive them of their possessions, to make their beloved weep, to ride on their horses, and to embrace their wives and daughters. Wow. That's pretty crazy even when a friend does something you do not like he continues to be your friend okay um there is no good in anything until it is finished let's do a few more (laughs) and um those who were adept and brave fellows i have made military commanders those who were quick and nimble i've made herders of horses those who were not adept I've given a small whip and sent to be shepherds. (laughs) It's pretty hilarious. All right, last one. Conquering the world on horseback is easy. It is dismounting and governing that is hard. Awesome. Let's go in and just kind of talk about why we think he's on this list. So it's pretty obvious he's one of the greatest generals of all time. Generals are a, a interesting figure juxtaposed the other great men and women on this list that we've, we've done because a lot of times they're mean people and they're killing lots of people. And if history would have gone a different way, they would have been seen as Hitler's seen, you know, as a crazy tyrant psychopath murderer, you know, but when they kind of finish what they're trying to do and unite tribes they're seen as heroes and Genghis Khan a lot of people think he, well, he established the first international postal service he you know connected multiple um, cultures from Europe all the way to China through the Middle East he was these trade routes that were made these uh the, the sharing and giving of, of different intellectual achievements allowed for society on Earth to just grow and expand, so you can kind of find these positive things in there. I mean, ultimately, he was born in the most ruthless culture we've seen so far, and it was kind of like, you know, killer be killed, and so he decided to kill. So I don't blame him too much for what he did. And once he got to power, he seemed like a pretty reasonable, almost inspired kind of person, but just by his military achievements alone he's on this list i think his political um, policies also kind of separate him how he allowed you to you know worship any god you wanted that was something that america you know fought for and that's what america was founded on you know 600 years later so i think he was definitely ahead of his time but it's hard to say. He was he was you know a thousand years ago, and the farther back we go, the more blurry things get. But he's easily one of the greatest military uh, leaders of all time. And yeah, I think he's a shoo-in to be one of the most influential people that have ever lived. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Genghis Khan. We'd love to hear your guys' feedback. We appreciate all of the requests. This Genghis Khan episode was actually a request from one of our listeners. Um, If you see any corrections or mistakes, please let us know. Our email is worldchangerspod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us any thoughts you have. Thanks for listening.